Well, hey, good morning, everybody. I'd like to invite you all to pick up a Bible and open to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And this is a passage you might want to come back to again and again because it's just so beautiful. So if you want to pick up your Bible and turn there, if you're using a device, electronic device, and you want to use the version I'm using, I'm using the English Standard Version. And so as we finish out this message series on Matthew chapter 6, where we're talking about seeking first the kingdom of God, we get to the end of chapter 6, and Jesus throws out this very ambitious vision for a way of life that many of us may not have ever attained. It's the vision for a life free of anxiety and full to the brim with the goodness of God. Listen to this vision that he casts out here for this way of life, beginning at verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon me and on each of us, participating in this online event today. Melt us, mold us, and fill us and use us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have been disappointed as I have grown older that not one, most people do not naturally outgrow anxiety. Most people don't suffer from anxiety disorders, but almost everyone has some aspect of their life that they're anxious about. We're anxious about friends and how they're doing in our relationship with them. We're anxious about family members who might be struggling or that we might feel estranged from. We're anxious about finances or other people's finances or our organization's finances. We're anxious about the future and our health and all of these different things. The more in life that we have that we care about, the more likely we are to have some level anxiety because we're tied to the well-being of those things. Anxiety can be defined as a feeling of fear, dread, and uneasiness. And sometimes this fear, dread, and uneasiness can keep us from sleeping. Sometimes it can keep us from eating. Sometimes it can keep us from leaving the house. Sometimes it can even cause us to do very drastic things that harm ourselves. But this anxiety always does something that diminishes our experience of the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. 
And Jesus came to lift the burden of anxiety from the shoulders of mankind. And this section of scripture from Matthew is one of the most beloved passages in all of the Bible. It paints this beautiful picture of a life of freedom where we are living as free as the birds and where we are as internally as beautiful as the lilies of the field. When I think of this passage, it's almost like thinking of a beautiful painting of a sunset, of a beach that you've never been to, but you dream of going to someday. You long to go there, to be there, to feel those waves, to feel that sunshine, but you've never made it, but you're drawn back to it. This vision of life is one that should keep drawing us back, drawing us back over and over again. Even though sometimes in our waking hours, it feels like this level of freedom from anxiety doesn't even seem possible. Now, I'll just be upfront. I have not personally managed to completely conquer anxiety in my own life. Sometimes it feels like I'm really on top of it and I'm not anxious. And then sometimes it feels like I'm anxious about almost everything. But I keep going back to this vision because this is the target. This is the life that Jesus came to bring us that he is calling us all to. And so just in case you didn't get the main thrust of this passage. Let me just say it again. Jesus is calling you to a life free of anxiety. He is calling me to a life free of anxiety, a life where we are still engaged in the battles and the struggles and the important things that make life meaningful that we need to be engaged in, but we're engaged in them in such a way that we aren't tied down by fear, dread, and uneasiness. We are released to pursue those things while maintaining a sense of joy and trust, wonder, and love. So as we unpack this, Jesus is really going to give us six reasons why we don't need to be anxious, and then he'll tell us what we should be doing instead. So let's just look at these. First, he says, we shouldn't be anxious because life is bigger. Look at what he says at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And Jesus is saying that life is always more than the things we are fixated on when we are anxious. But anxiety, it causes us to lose sight of the bigger picture. We literally let life pass us by as we fixate on what we are anxious about. And this happens to me sometimes when I'm hiking. On my day off or on a Saturday, I like to try to get out with my dog and go hiking and enjoy the outdoors, maybe at Black Partridge Park in Metamora or Farmdale Nature Preserve here in Washington or Northwoods Park in Morton. And I like to get out there, just me and the dog, and breathe deeply, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the trees, enjoy being by the streams of water. It does my heart so much good to be out in nature and just see the power and the beauty and the wonder of God. But I notice that sometimes when I'm hiking, I'm not paying any attention to the beauty and wonder around me because I'll find myself fixated on some aspect of my life that I'm worried about. Some potential pitfall I think could come my way. Some unresolved difficulty or challenge I'm experiencing at work or at home or in family. And so what I do is I'm out there to enjoy this beautiful day and just 
experience the restoration of my soul, but I'm all caught up in my head, and I'm missing it. And that's what anxiety does. It gets us all caught up in our head, fixating on the unresolved aspects of our life, which we can't control, and we miss out on the bigger picture of the life that God is calling us to engage in and be a part of. And so Jesus says we should not be anxious because life is so much bigger than that one aspect of it that we fixate on when we're anxious. Second, Jesus says we shouldn't be anxious because we are valued. We are valued by God. Look at verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, God truly does care about the birds of the air. He cares about all of his creatures. He cares about all creation, but he values us even more. Human beings were the crowning achievement of creation. Only human beings were created in the very image of God. Jesus only came to save human beings by becoming one of them. He didn't become a bird to save birds. He didn't become a tree to save trees. He became a human being to save human beings. So this is for each of us as well. You are created in the image of God. You are the person that Jesus Christ came to die for. And if you accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you were then adopted in to the eternal family of God. You are so valued by God. He says, you think that birds are well cared for by God. Do you understand how much more valuable you are to God than even the birds? Now, this doesn't mean that because we're so valued that we shouldn't be industrious. I mean, the birds of the air, they work hard. They wake up, they provide for their young, they build nests, they travel when necessary, they seek for food every day, they are aware of possible predators. But they do all that every day without being encumbered by the fear and dread and uneasiness that we live with. So Jesus wants us to be engaged in work and providing for others and caring for others and be careful. But he wants us to do it with the freedom of knowing how valuable we are to God. Third, Jesus said we shouldn't be anxious because anxiety is ineffective. Look at verse 27. Which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Now this is really something to consider. If worrying about an aspect of life were an effective way to resolve it, then we might want to really throw ourselves into worrying. We might want to find a dark room, separate ourselves from the world, and just worry and worry until we've actually changed things for the better. But let's face it, worry is not effective. It doesn't accomplish any good, and it is destructive. Jesus says, show me. Show me one person who can even extend their life by one hour by worrying about it. He says, it's not possible. It is a completely ineffective means of dealing with uh, unresolved things that we care about. Now, the biblical opposite of worry is prayer plus trust. So when we worry about something, we ruminate on it. We think about it over and over and over but we don't do anything that will change it for the better. It's ineffective and destructive. 
But then when we pray about something, what we're doing, that concern arises in our hearts or minds. We pray about it. We pray a short prayer, a focused prayer on it, but then we say amen and we go back to focusing on the other important aspects of life. And as we say amen, we go into a state of trust. We trust that as we pray and we refocus, God is working. And so worry is ineffective. Prayer plus trust is very effective. The Bible teaches us this. It says in Ephesians, I'm sorry, uh, James chapter 5, verse 16, that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And it says in Psalm chapter 37, verse 5, trust in the Lord and he will act. So when you're tempted to worry, pray about the thing. Trust that God is working on it and then go and focus on something else. When the concern reemerges, repeat the process. Pray, trust, refocus. And as we do that, the power of our prayers and the activity of God go to work on the situation. And it really is effective. Fourth, Jesus says we shouldn't be anxious because God richly provides. Look at verse 28. He says, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now here it seems that Jesus isn't so much talking to people who are afraid of going naked, but he's talking to a people who are afraid of being unattractive. He's saying that you're worried about having nice clothing. And he says, he's comparing the lilies of the field to King Solomon, who was dressed in these elaborate clothing, surrounded by elaborate status symbols. Clothing was a symbol of status in Jesus' day, just as it is in our day. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the religious leaders would walk around in long flowing robes. And your clothing was a distinguishing characteristic of your standing in society. But Jesus came saying that none of those external measurements of worth matter at all. He says they're garbage. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 15, what is prized by human beings is an abomination in the sight of God. Dave Ramsey has said, we spend money we don't have on things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. And it is true, we spend money that we don't have trying to keep up with our friends or our neighbors or our peers or our siblings. And Jesus sees this as slavery to idolatry. And he came to say, be set free from that child of God. Stop chasing things which are superficial, which are not real. It's a hamster wheel of idolatry. I love what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter writes, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. So here's the important thing to remember. If you want to attract superficial people, 
who cling to status symbols to feel good about themselves, then make sure that you are superficially as attractive as possible. Go into debt to make yourself look perfect and make yourself up perfect. Buy status symbols that you can't afford. Go into debt up to your eyeballs to where you have to declare bankruptcy because that's the kind of person you want to attract. That's the kind of person you're going to have to be. But if you want to surround yourself with authentic people who are real on the inside, then be that kind of person yourself. Be the kind of person that is confident in who they are in God that is pursuing God, that is kind, that is loving, that includes others, that puts no stock in external status symbols. You will attract who you are. God will richly adorn the spirit and the soul of the person who is seeking his kingdom rather than external measures of success and status. I want to tell you, the most attractive human being that has ever lived was Jesus Christ. People wanted to be around him. Everybody was drawn to him, but it wasn't because he was good looking or dressed well. It actually says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, that he was not attractive, that there was nothing in his appearance that would draw people to him. He was not like the celebrity preachers of today who wear $1,000 shoes and look like fashion models. He was just a guy, an ordinary guy, maybe slightly uglier than normal. Nothing in his appearance that would attract us to him, yet people couldn't stay away. That's the kind of person we want to be. You attract who you are. So be someone who's authentic, who seeks the kingdom of God. God will richly adorn the person who's digging deep into the well of internal beauty that comes from loving him, loving others. Fifth, Jesus says we shouldn't be anxious because God knows and cares. Look at verse 31. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The phrase Gentiles refers to people who live their lives with no acknowledgement of the one true God. And because of that, he says, if that's who you were, it would be natural to be anxious and to seek after all these status symbols and all these things, because it's survival of the fittest. You better win. You better stay on top. But we do believe in the one true God. So we live differently. God knows our needs and cares about us, so we don't have to live like the unbelieving world. Keep this in mind. When you were accepted by, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you were adopted into the family of the one true God, who has all the resources of heaven and earth at his disposal to meet all of your legitimate needs. That guy is now your father. You live under the umbrella of his power, protection, and parental love. He will provide for you. Knowing that he knows your needs and cares should free you from the anxiety of trying to live it and scrap all on your own. If you had a child, you would not let its needs go unmet as you stayed in the other room and played video games or just wasted your time doing other frivolous things. 
You would care for that child. You would support that child. You would make sure that they grew and developed. And we are the same way in our relationship with God. God cares for us. We are his children. He knows our needs. He will provide for them. We need to live like that's true. A final reason Jesus says we shouldn't be anxious is because today deserves our attention. Verse 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Somebody has said, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its trials, but it does empty today of its joy. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its struggles, but it does empty today of its strength. God doesn't promise that tomorrow won't have challenges. Jesus said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But God will give you the strength to get through whatever comes your way tomorrow, and he'll give you that strength tomorrow. You don't have to get through tomorrow's challenges on today's strength. God will give you fresh strength tomorrow to meet the challenges of the day. But today's strength is meant to be spent on today. And so today there are people around you who deserve your attention. There's a world around you that has wonderful things to behold today. There's a God who wants you to see his beauty today. There's food that should be enjoyed with loved ones today. There's walks that should be taken today. There's sleep your body needs today. There are people who need to be loved today. There's a God who deserves to be worshipped today. I love the way that the message translation of the Bible phrases verse 34. It has Jesus saying, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now, today. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So Jesus gives all these very sound reasons for why you and I should live free of anxiety even as we engage in the struggles and the challenges of our day. He gives all these reasons, and if you're like me, it's not a hard sell. I believe you, Jesus. I shouldn't be anxious. But we also know that sometimes trying to not be anxious increases our anxiety. So it should be noted that Jesus doesn't just say, don't be anxious, just sit still and try to make yourself calm. No, he says, don't be anxious, but do this. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you today. He says, don't let your life be filled with anxiety, but let your life be filled with the hot pursuit of the kingdom of God in your relationships, in your home, in your scheduling, in your workplace. Seeking the kingdom of God with all of our heart replaces our focus on the things that we can't control. And this will mean devoting ourselves to growing spiritually and learning more about the Word of God, learning more about how to follow the Holy Spirit and how to minister in the Spirit's power. This will mean throwing ourselves in to falling in love with serving 
other people in and through the church. This will mean repeatedly submitting our will to God's will, trusting that he will work things according to his will and purpose when we do. Seeking the kingdom of God above all else means systematically, regularly praying for those people and those things that are the most important to us. It'll mean doing good, being rich in good deeds, being generous and willing to share. Seeking the kingdom of God above all else will mean constant application of what Jesus teaches about forgiving others and loving our enemies and striving to do that. Seeking the kingdom of God above all else will mean daily spending time in Jesus' presence and weekly spending time in the worship of him. Friends, Jesus came to call us to a life free of anxiety and a life filled with God. So focus your time and attention on prayer, worship, serving, seeking God's kingdom. Make that be your main concern and leave the uncontrollable aspects of life in the world to God. Put them in his hands. This is the vision that he's calling you and I to, and he won't stop calling it to us, us to it, until he comes again in final victory. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that your vision for our lives is good. It's good. You care so much about us. And you have given us more, more things to think about than the birds of the air, more capacity for thinking than the birds of the air. But you don't want that responsibility to be a restriction on our ability to be as free as the birds of the air. So God, free us. Free us. Break the chains. And if there's people watching who are bound up in chains of anxiety, release them. But then give us, Lord, a passion to seek first your kingdom. Let us become in love with your kingdom, in love with prayer, in love with serving. And when that's our focus, we will be different people. Let us reorient our lives and recenter our lives on you. And now we pray together that prayer that you taught us as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.